Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Tonight, the dire warning from world leaders about climate change and what's being described as the inflection point for our planet and why President Biden is apologizing to the world for Donald Trump. The planet in peril and what's at stake as President Biden tries to reduce America's carbon footprint. Climate change is already ravaging the world. Abortion showdown. The Supreme Court hears arguments in the case of that restrictive Texas abortion law. The clues tonight about how the highest court in the land may rule. Travel disaster. American Airlines forced to cancel more flights after a rough Halloween weekend. What's causing the chaos, and could your Thanksgiving plans be in jeopardy? A grim COVID milestone. The pandemic claims 5 million lives around the globe. And the latest from New York City, where a vaccine mandate leaves only 6% of city workers on unpaid leave. The inside story, new from our interview. Hillary Clinton's closest aide talks about the Monica Lewinsky scandal and whether Hillary Clinton blames her for costing her the 2016 election. Tonight, the extraordinary lockdown in China as the government prevents more than 30,000 guests from leaving Disneyland. And a princess on a mission to pay it forward and save the lives of kids just like her. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening and thank you for joining us. We're going to begin with powerful words from the U.N. Secretary General on day one of a climate conference. Quote, we are digging our own graves. The global summit brings together the leaders of nearly 200 countries, although two of the world's biggest polluters were noticeably missing. More on that in just a moment. But President Biden is there in Scotland tonight, where he made a remarkable apology to the world for the actions of his predecessor, Donald Trump. 
Mr. Biden told world leaders there today he's sorry that the U.S. under President Trump pulled out of the historic Paris Climate Accord. The president re-entered that global agreement when he took office. And the president's Build Back Better spending package, including more than a half a trillion dollars for climate change initiatives, but that plan seems to have hit a roadblock right here in the U.S. We have two reports from Scotland tonight, beginning with CBS's Nancy Cordes, who's traveling with the president. Good evening, Nancy. Good evening, Nora. The COP26 summit, as the name suggests, is the 26th time leaders have met to try to find ways to reduce global warming. And yet, as the UN Secretary General put it today, the world is still careening toward a climate catastrophe, and these leaders are being begged to do more. We've come here today to say, try harder. President Biden and other world leaders were confronted today with dire warnings from around the globe. Over two million of my fellow Kenyans are facing climate-related starvation. The rivers are dying and our plants don't flower like they did before. Delegations from 200 nations are here to try to get back on track with commitments set six years ago in Paris. The goal then was to zero out global carbon emissions by mid-century. But as of now, they're still on the rise. I guess I shouldn't apologize, but I do apologize for the fact the United States uh, in the last administration pulled out of the Paris Accords and put us sort of behind the eight ball. This time it is two other big polluters, China and Russia, whose heads of state chose not to attend. Together, those countries and India are responsible for more than half the world's emissions, yet they've rejected the 2050 goal. There's a reason why people should be disappointed in that. Um, I, I, I found it disappointing myself. It's been a tiring few days of diplomacy for Mr. Biden, convincing other nations to cut methane emissions and stop financing foreign coal-fired power plants. Yet at the same time, he's been urging OPEC countries to step up oil production, a temporary fix, he insists, as Americans face spiking gas prices. Well, because they have to get to their work. They have to get in an automobile, turn on the key, get their kids to school. The school buses have to run. That's the reason why. President Biden came into this summit insisting that his Build Back Better plan, which includes half a trillion dollars worth of climate provisions, was on the verge of passing. But today, West Virginia Democrat Joe Manchin announced that he has fresh concerns. And so things appear to be in limbo once again, Nora. Nancy Cordes, thank you. Well, tonight we wanted to take a look at what's at stake if world leaders fail to act now. CBS's Mark Phillips has long documented the perils of climate change. The official soundtrack of this conference may be the Scottish pipes, but the unofficial one is the sound of a ticking clock. Time is running out. The gathering of 120 world leaders was told on efforts to avoid the worst catastrophes of climate change. What we've seen so far, the melting polar ice, the rising waters, the severe storms, the heat, these are just a taste of what unchecked global warming can bring. Four degrees, and we say goodbye to whole cities. Miami, Alexandria, Shanghai, all lost beneath the waves. A little history lesson is useful here. When delegates at the Paris conference six years ago celebrated the landmark agreement there, 
It was on the understanding that each country would follow up with individual plans to cut their greenhouse gas emissions. The goal was to limit global warming to under 2 degrees Celsius, 3.7 degrees Fahrenheit. Limiting the rise to 1.5 degrees C was even better. They haven't done that. Which may be why protesters here supplied their own pipe band soundtrack, complete with caricatures of some of the leaders. The commitment to deeper carbon cuts this conference was supposed to produce hasn't happened. And this was the only presence in Glasgow of Chinese President Xi. The scientific calculation is that greenhouse gas emissions have to be cut by half by the end of the decade. But as it stands now, Nora, they'll continue to rise. Mark Phillips in Glasgow, thank you. And back here at home, the new abortion law in Texas, the strictest in the nation, was at the center of arguments today before the U.S. Supreme Court. Tonight, it's unclear whether the court will issue an order to block that law, which has been in effect for two months now. Here's CBS's Jan Crawford. Outside the Supreme Court, protesters made clear the fight. Abortion is healthcare! Over the Texas law that bans abortions after about six weeks, a law that justices called unprecedented and specifically designed to get around Roe versus Wade. The actual provisions in this law have prevented every woman in Texas from exercising a constitutional right as declared by this court. After three hours of arguments, it was evident liberal and conservative justices didn't like what Texas was up to. There's a loophole that's been exploited here uh, or used here. The loophole is in how Texas wrote the law to try to keep it out of federal courts, which would block it. Instead of state officials enforcing the law, it leaves that to private citizens who can go to state court and sue anyone who helps perform an abortion, with fines starting at $10,000. Bhavik Kumar is a doctor at Planned Parenthood in Houston. I would be surprised if anybody is seeing more than 10 to 20 percent of the patients that they usually see. That's been my experience. Um, it has been a very dramatic reduction. But the case goes well beyond abortion rights. The justices were concerned the Texas law could be a model for states to restrict other constitutional rights. And it could be free speech rights. It could be free exercise of religion rights. It could be Second Amendment rights. If this position is accepted here. Now, the court is not reconsidering Roe versus Wade in this case, but one month from today, it'll take up a different case that's asking the justices to overturn Roe and allow Mississippi's 15 week ban on abortion. It's not clear if we'll have a decision in this Texas case by then. Nora? Jan Crawford at the Supreme Court. Thank you, Jan. Well, there are fears tonight that air travel chaos over the Halloween weekend could signal trouble ahead for Thanksgiving and Christmas travelers. American Airlines has canceled more than 2,000 flights in recent days because of bad weather and a shortage of workers. Here's CBS's Errol Barnett. They delayed our flight a couple times and then they told us it was canceled. And I'm kind of stranded. Frustrated flyers felt like they were being tricked after this Halloween weekend. Right when we arrived, we got a message that it got canceled. American Airlines passengers are lining up for answers after the carrier canceled more than 2,000 flights since Friday, including 400 today. As soon as I got here, I got a text message that my flight was canceled. They, they had no crew. The airline says crosswinds at its Dallas hub Thursday drove the cancellations and put staff out of place. 
I've had this happen before, so I'm not surprised. The same stress-inducing issue was reported by Spirit and Southwest Airlines as small weather events triggered mass cancellations for days. Travel analyst Henry Hardevelt. They may have enough crews to operate the flights, but they don't have enough people in reserve if there's a problem like bad weather. Why are airlines scheduling more routes than they can staff? Airlines are desperate to claw their way back to profitability. There's a little bit of a gamble going on here uh, where airlines are just scheduling, assuming that it's always going to be good weather. 1,800 American Airlines flight attendants begin returning from leave today with 600 being hired by year's end. But with Thanksgiving and winter weather just weeks away, there's growing fear these disruptions will return. I travel all the time. It's the top five worst trips I've ever taken. And there's more. The deadline, the federal deadline for most air traffic control staff and TSA agents to be vaccinated hits in just about three weeks right before Thanksgiving. Now, Mr. Hardevelt believes conditions will improve by Christmas, but he warns if you plan to travel at any point during the holidays, Nora, you'll need a backbone and stamina. Yeah, some patience, too. Pack that. Errol Barnett, thank you. Well, tonight, the global death toll from COVID has surpassed 5 million people. The U.S. alone approaching 750,000 confirmed deaths accounts for about 15% of all COVID fatalities. Later this week, the U.S. is expected to begin vaccinating children with the Pfizer shot as young as five, but there's a setback for Moderna's COVID vaccine for kids. Here's CBS's Nikki Batiste. The FDA is delaying the Moderna vaccine for 12 to 17 year olds, so it can take more time to look into reports of the rare side effect of myocarditis and inflammation of the heart muscle in some boys and young men. Now the vaccine may not be available until January, but by the end of the week, the first Pfizer shots for children 5 to 11 could be available. A CDC advisory committee is meeting tomorrow to decide whether to recommend them. We have enough vaccine, Pfizer vaccine, uh, for every child age 5 through 11. As some parents anticipate vaccinating their children, in New York City today, roughly 9,000 municipal workers were placed on unpaid leave after failing to get at least one COVID shot, missing the mandatory deadline. That's 6% of the workforce. 15% of police, 19% of fire, and 17% of sanitation department workers are still unvaccinated. But many have applied for medical and religious exemptions, temporarily keeping them on payroll. The firefighters union says some members want more time to comply with the mandate. Others are considering leaving the department. There are plenty of firefighters that have made the decision and just say they don't want it. Here in New York City, more than 2,000 firefighters are out sick today, but the FDNY says it has not had to close any firehouses. We also learned today that the Biden administration's vaccine mandate for businesses with more than 100 employees will take effect within days. That means those companies will have to require either a COVID vaccine or weekly testing. Nora. Nikki Batiste, thank you. And turning now to our CBS Sunday morning interview with Huma Abedin, her first television interview. After two decades of being in the background as an aide to Hillary Clinton, her marriage to former Congressman Anthony Weiner pushed her into the spotlight. Well, now she's telling her own story in her new book, Both And, published by Scribner, a division of Viacom CBS. 
Did you ever think you'd then end up spending 25 years working with Hillary Clinton? Not for a second. Huma Abedin's first job was an intern in the Clinton White House when another intern, Monica Lewinsky, was in the headlines. And she was with Hillary Clinton after the president admitted he'd lied about Lewinsky. Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate. You wrote, I was sad and angry on behalf of the woman who is now my boss. And I think confused, because on the one hand, it was like, we're doing this really important stuff. What's happening here? And, um, and I just stayed focused on my job and stayed focused on her. You also addressed the age-old question. Why did Hillary stay with Bill after that? I do. She made the decision that she thought was right for herself, her family, and her country. Did she choose country over her marriage? What does that mean? I think that's the both and. It was not, in my opinion, either or. Aberdeen says loyalty is at the core of her relationship with Hillary Clinton. But their close relationship was tested when Anthony Weiner's sexting scandals made front page news. I had been informed by a colleague I was about to be let go, but given our long relationship that Hillary needed to fire me herself, and she shocked me. She did not believe it was the right thing to do. The two women had been through a lot together. Two decades earlier, you had watched Hillary Clinton deal with a cheating husband, Bill Clinton. Did any of that experience inform you? Well, I mean, every marriage and every relationship has its own ups and downs. I was getting up every day and just trying to survive. Abedin didn't think she'd survive what may have been the biggest impact of the Wiener scandals. Material found on her husband's laptop led FBI Director James Comey to reopen the investigation into Clinton's emails in the final days of the 2016 election. So at the end of the day, do you think it cost Hillary Clinton the election? I don't now, but I did for a long time. Let me tell you who did not blame me, Hillary Clinton. Never once. Well, Huma Abedin is still Hillary Clinton's chief of staff, but is looking for what's next. As for her marriage, she is in the process of finalizing her divorce from Anthony Weiner. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you? And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. Crew members on the movie set where actor Alec Baldwin accidentally shot and killed his cinematographer say there were at least three other cases of accidental gunfire on set prior to the tragedy. That's according to the LA Times. Baldwin spoke publicly about the shooting for the first time this weekend. We were a very, very, you know, well-oiled crew shooting a film together and then this horrible event happened. Some new measures have to take place, rubber guns, plastic guns. Baldwin called it a once-in-a-trillion event. All right, to China now, where it turns out Disneyland Shanghai was not the happiest place on Earth this weekend. As fireworks lit up the sky, medical workers in hazmat suits tested nearly 34,000 people for COVID after one 
confirmed case prompted the park to shut down. Many had to wait hours before they were allowed to leave. Can you imagine that? A young girl from Texas has boldly stepped up for tests on COVID vaccines for children with weakened immunity. As CBS's Janet Shamlin explains, this brave little girl is paying it forward. At seven, Juliana Graves already knows her destiny. When I grow up, I am going to be a princess. You are? A princess that helps a lot of other people. But she was born without something a princess needs for good deeds, a healthy heart. In 2014, at just 17 days old, Juliana became the youngest heart transplant recipient ever at Texas Children's Hospital. What can you tell me about your heart? That my heart is very special. This is the moment the mom who donated her infant's heart heard it beat in Juliana last year. We feel grateful that a family chose to give Juliana a heart at their darkest hour. Now it's their turn to give. We're going to take your blood pressure, okay? Even though she spent so much of her life in hospitals, Juliana said yes to the vaccine trial for immunocompromised children, requiring at least nine more visits. That's it? Oh, my gosh, you're done! Even she knows a princess can't just talk the talk. It is good to help other people because you are being helpful and kind. A reminder, it's not the size of a heart, that matters. Janet Shamley and CBS News, Houston. With a heart bigger than all of ours. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we investigate the global supply chain backlog. We'll follow the journey of one product as it comes from China to right here in the U.S. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell. See you tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car... Use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.